When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There is a kind of a, a lyrical, mythical quality to it. And the second reason I picked it was because for years I've said, I can't stand Sheila LaBeouf. And this film proved me wrong. I actually have a lot of time for Shia LaBeouf. If you're have looking, you, have to you seen the Transformers films though? I've seen a couple of them. <laughs> okay, I think that scene on the water on the raft is probably the scene of the film. Actually, for me, I can't think of another example off the top of my head where the hero punches a child in the face. It's, it's just really kind of fun, and yeah. you know, seeing him all greased up and lubed up, escaping out of a, the bars in the window. <laughs> you know what this film is is going to be, and it's really joyful. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Flixwatch Podcast. I'm joined by Ben. Hello. Will. Hello. And Helen. Hello. And we're going to be talking about the peanut butter falcon. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us today we have Ben and Will. If you would like to say hello please and tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do please. Hi, my name's Ben. I run a audio production company and audio branding firm, Rockwood Audio, and we work with podcasts like this fantastic podcast. Ben is our editor, is what he's coyly, coyly trying to say. Yeah, so I've been let out of the uh, the editing dungeon for one day only, into the light. 90 minutes, maybe. And yeah, we work on pop culture podcasts, and we help people create audio and music that, that fits their show. And we should say Rockwood is spelled R-O-K-K Wood. I mean, you, you hear it on the intro and outro. We do spell it out, but R-O-K-K Wood audio is how you spell Rockwood, in case you're looking for, for Ben's work. Yeah, it seemed like a great idea, but then you always have to say with two Ks, but there we are. And Will, who are you? Hi, uh, yeah, I'm Will Rowe. I'm a producer on the Stories of Our Times podcast, which is a daily news show, which um, is from the Times and Sunday Times newspaper. So yeah, every Monday to Friday, it's sort of half hourly episodes, deep dives into the world of news and politics, etc. I guess it's um, you know the UK equivalent of the Daily, the Daily. over in the states. Yeah, um, I guess it's been a quite a few uh, years for your guests in terms of news cycles. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, 
been an interesting one. We only launched in March, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Just we've the, been... Other than Zenith. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there was <laughs> been one story this uh, this year that we've covered in quite a lot of depth. I'm not going to mention the C word, but there you go. <laughs> I'm not sure it's a C, use the C word, but yes, I think it's appropriate. Um, Will, you're a, you're a returnee. Well, episodes were you on previously if people want to go and and delve back into your into our catalog to find you absolutely well it's lovely to be back first of all um the last two films i did i did nebraska which starred bruce dern and then the other film i did was a terrible film that my friend chris smith picked i can't remember it had jack black in it i wasn't a fan so i can't even remember what it's called it was that weird one I'll, I'll find it in a second, but uh, Bruce yeah. Dern does make an appearance in in this film, which you're talking about today, aren't we? Which is which is always nice. Yeah. Um, so it's quite it's quite telling. It's quite timely that you've um, you've joined us for this episode. We, and you didn't choose the film this time. It's Ben, uh, and that film is the Peanut Butter Falcon. Ben, can you tell us why you chose it and give us a, a brief synopsis? Yeah. So it's it's kind of a a, a classic buddy movie in a way, but it has a few twists. So after escaping from his assisted living facility, Zach meets up with a a kind of local outlaw, 'er ne'er-do-well, on the run, and together they embark on a mythic quest to find Zach's hero, the pro wrestler, the saltwater redneck, so he can learn the art of wrestling. And and why did you choose it? Uh, I chose it for two reasons. One, it's rare that a feel-good movie actually kind of pulls it off and i think this one does it's sort of knowingly pushing your buttons but it does it with such kind of style and charm that you don't really mind so it's kind of impossible not to like i think it walks that that line really well and the second reason i picked it was because for years i've said i can't stand sheila Burf, and this <laughs> and this film proved me wrong i think it's i think it's a career best for him well, let's go. Let's. I mean, dive straight into Shia. But why? Why does he Shia Shia? How you want everyone to pronounce it? But why does he seem so divisive, guys? Do you reckon? Will Helen? Do you want to take that first before? Well, I was going to jump in and say I actually have a lot of time for Shia LaBeouf, and well, I actually really, really enjoy him. Um, I think if you're have looking, you, have to you kind seen of, the Transformers films though? I've seen a couple of them. <laughs> okay, right. But you know, I've, I've I've been a fan of him since he's in one of um one of like the really sort of standout ER episodes, and I've seen like Disturbia as well. And but I think for mm. me, it was watching Honey Boy recently that kind of explains a lot about him, and it's a really interesting film. And I just kind of think that you know, with Transformers, he was quite young. He got offered you know, this amazing opportunity probably didn't quite realise they were going to release like 80 of these films and he'd have to do them all. And, you know, he went from being a teenage, or a child actor to being, you know, the biggest movie star on the planet and inevitably decided that actually he didn't want to be that mainstream and went against it in his own special way, um, crashing cars, drinking, um, not really doing very well and it kind of exploded all in the public eye so I've I've got quite a lot of time for him so I was looking forward to seeing this having seen some of his more recent efforts and enjoy it I think he's very very complex but I find him interesting to watch on screen so that that's my my shy piece (laughs) so is it more is it more his off-screen antics you think that turn people away than his on on screen? Apart from maybe just Transformers films are terrible. Apart from apart from really Bumblebee. Well, that's my point of view. I don't want to obviously lay that on you guys. Yeah, I haven't really analysed it that closely. I just <laughs> um, and I'm not really that aware of his off-screen antics. Although I kind of in researching this film, I, I just kind of became a bit more aware of some of the 
the issues that he's gone through. So it's just kind of, a, I think it maybe it is the Transformers thing. He's obviously had his trials. And so, yeah, this could be the start of the Leberficence. I guess. <laughs> or the or the rebirth. Yeah. The rebirth, let's call it that. Will, what about yourself and Shire? Yeah, I'm, I, I feel like a bit of a charlatan coming on this podcast sometimes because my sort of in-depth film knowledge is not very in-depth. But I have looked into... I think for him, it's more about his off-screen stuff. He seems like a bit of a badass. Um, he's definitely flirted with... Well, flirted with alcoholism's uh, a light way of putting it. He's been in... He's been in trouble, let's put it that way. And mm. I find I, I find that he's it's quite I'm quite endeared to him for all that kind of stuff. Although there was this quite unpleasant episode during the making of this film where he essentially got extremely drunk and was very abusive towards some police officers. And then himself and, and the main character in the film, you know, kind of had it out at a party. I don't know if we're gonna come on to this, but there was that sort of moment of you know don't don't mess this up for me Shia because it, it could have just brought the whole film down his off-screen yep. antics so it does certainly play into it but um you know he's he's clearly a sort of troubled guy and I don't know if some of that comes from being a childhood actor if you look at someone like Macaulay Culkin uh, they have their issues to put it politely he also did this thing where he almost rented a movie theater and watched all of his films back to back and filmed the thing and he also did this weird performance art thing and ended up being um sexually assaulted and (laughs) just lots of very strange things so um yeah if i mean if you want to find out a little bit more about his childhood and growing up um his father was a clown um and his mother was actually a clown yeah actually a clown that's terrifying and uh (laughs) yeah honey boy is amazing it's really good um female director and he wrote wrote it and he's stars in it as his dad uh, which is interesting anyway so if you if you want to sort of learn a little bit more um and that incident where he um has a run-in with the police is included in that so uh, it's very interesting but um i will leave talking about that because we're talking about this film instead well i think just to tie that in before going to, back to the film which we obviously need to discuss um we we have seen with Robert Downey Jr., for example, troubled people coming back into the fray and being accepted. So um, I'm not sure if I ever think, have thought a Shia LaBeouf has been as talented as Robert Downey Jr. was, um, has been. But, you know, if he can come out with troubles and make good films, because this is a good one for my, you know, cards on the table, then all the power to, all the power be it. Um, so what about the rest of the cast here? We have, well, I mean, let's talk about Zach, first of all. In Flipswatch, we haven't talked about many films featuring um, people with disabilities in any way, shape, or form. But one in the past was The Fundamentals of Caring. That was, and the, the character with disability was played by an able-bodied actor. And in this is notable. I, I can't think of many films where I've seen anyone with Down syndrome um, play substantial roles in films. So this is something that sets it apart straight away. Yeah. And, and I think... I mean, that's part of the the charm, really, is that it doesn't mm. it doesn't kind of sugarcoat or anything or or shy away from anything. And in fact, you know, reading about it, it was written essentially written for him yeah. um, mm. and written around him and and the experiences that he and the writers had together. So a lot of those scenes between him and Sheila Burfa kind of based on things that they went through and conversations they had the writers had with him so i think that's probably why it comes across so naturally and what yourself will yeah i actually the first thing i did after watching the film was um to go and check you know what was this an actor uh, that has down syndrome or was this someone 
um, without a disability playing that character. And like you guys, I sort of read up on it and I found that I, I don't think there are any sort of A-list or sort of big films in which you've had someone um, with Down syndrome play someone with Down syndrome, to put it that way. And, you know, that was quite striking for me. Um, thinking of, you know, other films, I, I sort of thought of um, Leonardo DiCaprio's performance as the young yeah. boy in What's Eating Gilbert Grape as, you know, mm. as an able-bodied actor playing someone with a disability is a fantastic performance. But I think in 2020, it's, you know, it's right that someone with Down syndrome should be playing that part. And I thought he played it brilliantly as well. It wasn't just... You know, it was it was a beautiful performance um, and I just warmed to him from the first scene, really. The first time you see him on screen, he's just, you just smile because, you know, he's, he's, he's going to get up to something. <laughs> You're not quite sure what, but you know it's going to be good, whatever happens. And yeah, I thought it was a fantastic performance. Completely agree. And um, it's great that we're finally now getting actual representation um, on film. I was going to say... The, the, the only the, the film it kind of reminded me of was when I saw the the station agent. This yeah. sort of similarities with kind of the story and and that in it. Um, but also um, Dakota Johnson, I'm a big fan of and seen her in quite a lot of films, and um, I think she's kind of great as well. And having Bruce Dern in it just kind of gives <laughs> it that extra kind of edge. Who um, obviously you've mentioned Will was in Nebraska, and this kind of nursing home care home that they're in from the moment we we meet zach he's using one of the residents to help him break out by choking on a, a chocolate pudding which sets the tone i think quite well for the entire movie <laughs> it's, it's just really kind of fun and yeah. you know seeing him all greased up and lubed up escaping out of a, the bars in the window <laughs> it, you know you know what this film is is going to be and it's it's you know really joyful and i think i don't think when i describe this i'll talk about zach as a as a when I do describe so I don't really talk about Zach but it's having um Down syndrome because it's not because it's just it's just a standard odd odd couple kind of uh, almost like buddy cop type film, isn't it? You don't need to to that doesn't need to weigh into the story. Um Peter Charlotte Bus character wants to escape, Zach's character wants to escape, and they manage to find each other and say, Well, let's just ride together and everyone's gonna have, from that standpoint, no matter which way you put two people together same sex, same gender, same race, same what or different, whatever, people tend to, to, to make this film spark. People have a difference and um, different starting point, different um, way of thinking and experiences that lead into what makes, the, what makes the film sing. And that's what, that's what's happening here. Zach wants to escape. He's seen this, he's, he's idolised this uh, wrestler and he says, right, I just want to be a wrestler. I need to go on this path and do this thing. And obviously, Bus character, I can't remember his name, he's got troubles. Tyler. Um, and he needs to get out. Um, and escape and they just find each other and it's it's a great that they get together they have the kind of not meet cute but whenever odd couples kind of start off it's always like a bit of like a tete-a-tete isn't it where they're like one of them's like well don't follow me mate and then there's a switcheroo and they're like oh come on then let's just ride together and we'll be you know we'll hang out and where it happens it happens look at planes trains and automobiles Um, you know as 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 an example this top calls are recording on uh, just after Thanksgiving but that, I mean, does that seem fair to you, other guys, or is that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's what's that's what's so interesting about it is it it is you know underneath ev- all, all the kind of detail, it is basically your kind of buddy road movie. You've got the the rookie with a heart who's you know still believes in things, and you've got your reluctant kind of grumpy uh, <laughs> <laughs> grizzled <Charlotte>. guy, yeah, <laughs> who's uh, who's kind of you know 
don't follow me. Like, you know, I don't even want to talk to you. And then you need that kind of, I suppose. Hunter. It, it's just occurred yeah. to me. It's like, yeah, yeah. Or, or even Rain Man is like this kind of cynical yeah. thing that it's the there's a cynical motivation that he has initially. And then he kind of grows to kind of love, they, well, they grow to love each other, really. And the, the moment where they kind of realise this is the spectacular part where a child gets punched in the face, which um, yes. is a great moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a cinema, is that a cinema first? I'm probably not, but I can't think of another <laughs> example off the top of my head where the hero punches a child in the face. I think, yeah. doesn't someone do it in The Hangover Part 2? I think someone punches a child in the face in that. I, think I can't remember I took that. I left the grievance film with that moment. Dirty. <laughs> I think it's Robert Downey Jr. punches a child in the face. He does it in a film, I think. Two. Maybe. Someone punches okay. a child in the face. I, yeah, I you need, definitely need a bit of me. charm to get away with that, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, um, sorry, Helen, you were talking about Dakota Johnson. Um, I mean, let's talk about her and also then the other, the other cast in this. I guess she needs, she needs to be there as the kind of bounty hunter or the person on their tails that moves the story along and gives it some kind of urgency alongside she's the kind of good bounty hunter and then we've obviously got the bad bounty hunters and you kind of come to a point where you realize that they're both sort of in this the same place and they're both going through kind of loss and grief and it's kind of the the reason why they are what they are and they're doing what they're doing is all down to one incident and I think she her character could have been quite cheesy and I think because She's done it. She kind of plays really well against, obviously, Shia LaBeouf, who is kind of really going for it. She kind of <laughs> compliments him, I think, by underplaying it and not being kind of hysterical or over the top or anything like that. So I think, obviously, the, the main relationship is between Zach and Tyler, but I think she kind of compliments them both. And by having her kind of overly mother him and realise that actually he doesn't need it is sort of, needs mm. to happen in the film so that people can actually realise that people living with Down syndrome can actually, you know, be independent and don't need to be mothered all the time. 100%, yeah. And it, it's just like the, that, that great scene on the water where they're, they're kind of getting mm. Zach to stick his head under the water so that they, <laughs> he, can't hear, he can't hear them sort of battling for his soul. You know, I, I, I love that bit. And it would have been so easy. I, I think you're right, Helen. I mean, she it's a great performance and... It could have very easily just been a, a kind of a cipher, but she she really invests it with kind of emotion and, you know, you really believe her. And whilst they're shoving his head under the water or he's doing it to prove that he can hold his breath for the time, what's lovely about that scene is whilst they're battling for his soul, as Ben was saying, he's kind of proving um, <laughs> Tyler's point. Do you see what I mean? It, it's It's quite a nice little... I think that scene on the water, on the raft, and also the sort of the Mark Twain-esque uh, echoes there mm. is is probably the scene of the film, actually, for me. And he pulls out mm. the fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's just busy getting on with it, isn't he? Yeah. He's called yeah. the fish. Yeah. There's a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> it's a metaphor. Quick, kill it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just smashes it down like, yeah. And then they eat it, yeah, so. There is, I mean, I think the, the, the other thing I love about it is there is a kind of a, a lyrical mythical sort of quality to it a bit like a brother where art there or something like that it it does feel kind of lyrical and you know they even meet a a blind preacher who helps them on their way you know it's 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 got that sort of um, yeah. dreamlike quality at times so you, uh, helen you talked about the the good bounty hunter um 
And let's talk, talk about the bad bounty hunter. And also, I guess, we can talk a bit about the other cast in here. John Hawkes is the is the bad bounty hunter. And he's always someone, whenever I see on screen, I'm like, yeah, okay, let's let's see what he's got to say. He's quite scary, isn't he? Every mm. time he's he's on on the screen, um, you're like, oh God, what's going to happen? And yeah, it just it, you know something is going to happen, um, and when it eventually does, it's yeah, it's it's not pleasant. And he he kind of manages to bring that that quite level of nastiness in quite of a small presence as well, because you know it's, he's not this big guy, but you can just mm. kind of sense that he's he's on a mission and. Mm. You, what is it? Is basically he's pissed off because he's had his kind of like crab business burnt down to the ground. That's that's his yeah. thing. Which is but there might it? might have been something before then as well. You kind of sense that there's been kind of bad blood between them for a while. Mm. But yeah, scary guy. The other scary thing about it is is he's not. Um, I mean, he seems very real. He's not. He's not kind of just this ultra evil person. He's basically trying to look after his business you know in, a, in the worst way possible but it's kind of for him it's a practical thing as well it's like he can't have other people thinking they can do this sort of thing to him so you know i'm afraid i'm gonna have to shoot you in your hand which one which one do you fancy <laughs> it just seems everyone's come from no one's having a good time of it at the where where they are um everyone's having a hard time and to lose twelve thousand pounds worth of equipment twelve thousand dollars and that that been the whole source of his livelihood. You can see why he's super angry. So, as a bad bounty hunter, quote unquote, you can see that the motivation there. It just obviously takes it to extremes. Where I can I can definitely imagine that happening in real life, where they're just like, well, I need to get my money back somehow because otherwise I can't live. They've not heard of insurance. Insurance covers <laughs> these type of things. Well, they might not well, have insurance. Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Especially where that's there'd set. be no there'd be no story then. I'm just being silly. Um, <laughs> and also, we've not mentioned the um, saltwater redneck um, Thomas Hayden Church. Who it makes me sad that some people will only ever know him for being the Sandman, but um, he's always kind of like a welcome appearance in it. As obviously a wrestler whose days are over, and you know Zach arrives at the wrestling school ten years too late, um, <laughs> but he he realizes that actually he can't let him down and. Uh, they end up doing some some pretty good wrestling, which is always good to see. Yeah, Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah, I think everyone, most I knew him first from Sideways, but yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, haven't, I still haven't seen Sandman three because everyone know that loved the first two came back and were almost in tears. So I just thought I don't need to watch it. Um, the, the other character in it is I was looking at the cast list. It was Mick Mick Foley's in it. I was trying to work yeah. out who he was. Was he the referee in the ring at the end? Is that he was? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Played mankind. So you had yeah. referee, and also you had Mick Foley and Jake Snake Roberts. And this yeah. is what I'm talking about the cast. The cast is kind of nicely peppered with people who are just like, oh, that guy. Yeah, oh, them. Yeah, that's, from my teenage days watching a little bit of WWF, I was like, oh, it's Mick Foley. That was, <laughs> that was just really nice, a nice touch. But yeah, I had to double check. He was the referee. Yeah, no, it was, um, that was sweet. The cast is great. And I think it, it's interesting reading about how the casting came about because initially the, the two writers, you know, hadn't made a film before, I understand. And they really got their break when Josh Brolin got involved. And, right. And he was originally going to play the Saltwater Redneck. Uh, and I think he he had to drop out when he got cast in Deadpool two, right? And it was Ben, but but it was his involvement that got Ben Foster involved, who then called Shia LaBeouf when he had to drop out. So there's quite a. Oh, was Ben Foster a, supposed to be Shia LaBeouf's character? Yeah, okay. yeah. That would have um, been because he did that. Um, 
it would have been a, kind of a similar film. What was that film you did with um, McKen- uh, Thomas and McKenzie? Oh, Leave No Trace. Yeah, so um, Ben Foster was in a, was in a quite a highly lauded film, not successfully commercially, but uh, Leave No Trace, where he played a, a father with a daughter who um, they kind of were nomads, and they kind of you you saw them going bouncing, bouncing from place to place, living their life. So it, this could have been very similar to that. Yeah, and apparently, as soon as Shia LaBeouf got the script, he was like, "I'm in." So all credit to him for seeing the the potential. Yeah. There's just one other scene. Um, I'm going back a bit here, but you know the scene where they're both on the raft. It's just the two of them without um, Dakota Johnson, and uh, Zach puts his arm around Shia's character. Oh yeah, that was actually you know that was spontaneous that wasn't meant to happen and when Shia sort of breaks down I think that may have been around the time that they'd had this big fallout in real life and so that coming together of the two characters on screen was actually the a sort of coming together of the two men and I think if you watch that scene again it is very powerful and I think it's kind of half acted half just genuine yeah I mean that's that's kind of pivotal as well isn't it and it's beautiful it's a beautiful scene then he slaps him on the face <laughs> <laughs> That's like a Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now sort of moment. Yeah. I think one thing I want to talk about is, I, I, I love Dakota Johnson in this, but I was a bit annoyed about the kind of romance bit tacked in there. Was, did you think that was necessary? Could they not just carry on as, as good friends? Well, Kobe, come the, on. We need a bit of romance. Is, is there romance? <laughs> yeah, they kiss. It's not overly romance though, is it? We don't know what's going to happen. It kind of leaves it a little bit open-ended. Mm. Well, I mean, I think, well, fair enough. Maybe guys are happy with that. They've both experienced extreme loss. Do they not deserve maybe a chance at happiness? Maybe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Let's head to the scores. I think if it had turned into the main driver for the film partway through, then it would have been irritating. But it's still the kind of the main relationship, I think, for me and... I think the, it plays it like that is between Tyler and Zach and that, you know, it's 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 their friendship driving it through. It's just that yeah. it's kind of coincidental that maybe that there's, there's something else going on. Um, there's just enough them. there, I think, to kind of drive things along. You know, but it, they don't they don't kind of overplay it at all. No. And I, I quite like the, the feeling of them all driving off together. Oh, yeah, a, I like them driving off together. I think because I thought he was dead. You know, it did look like from her reaction. I thought, yeah. are they going to kill him off? That's a brave move. And they didn't. Mm. Spoiler. In, in Kobe's defence, <laughs> in, in defense, I think it's kind of inevitable that there is going to be some kind of romance between the two of them. And you can sort of mm. see that in some of the earlier scenes. And I did think, oh, no, it's going to turn into a slightly cheesy rom-com so i i i think they just about get away with it but i definitely think kobe has a point here well let's head to the scores i'm sam clements host of the 90 minutes or less film festival another podcast in the stripped media family a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have come from the worlds of film, television, music, food, comedy, and podcasting. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast or join us at 90minfilmfest.com.
Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish, and we will start with you, please, Ben, with your recommendability. I would recommend this to pretty much anyone, I think. Uh, I think it's um, it's just such a great... It feels good, but it's it's earned. It's gritty. I would recommend it to almost anyone, unless you're, you're just such a total cynic that you just can't <laughs> handle... I'd recommend it to pretty much anyone. So I would give it a 4.6. Will? Um, I'm the same as Ben. I think it's extremely universal film. I'd just give it a five. I'd recommend it to anyone. I can't think of anyone that wouldn't watch it. So, yeah. Uh, Helen? Um, I mean, if this is a film for me. It's got like me written all over it. Like, with, without even having to watch it, I could just kind of tell this is my film. Um, I think there will be some people who won't enjoy it and they'll find it a bit slow and they'll be a bit like, well, what's kind of the point of it? You know, what's mm. what's really going to happen? Um, so I don't think it is for everyone, although I think it may surprise some people who maybe didn't think that it was for them. So um, I'm going to give it a 4.9. Ooh, look at that. Um, I'm going to give it a 4.8. I, I can't think of... I was going to give it a five, but then Helen kind of made me think, are there people who no. would find this slow? What have I done? I've given the lowest rating <laughs> in the film. <laughs> it happens sometimes. It happens quite a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see why I wouldn't recommend it to people, but there might be you know, someone who I think, actually, you're a bit of a, an idiot um, and you wouldn't get it. But I can't think of it off the top of my head. So that's why I take it out a couple of notches. Uh, repeat viewing score. Ben? Well, I've seen it. This is the third time I've watched it. Oh, wow. Uh and I don't normally rewatch films anymore. I don't have the time, and so <laughs> I would. I'm going to give it a four point seven for rewatchability. I do think it's not necessarily got. It's not the kind of film necessarily where you're going to find lots of other things in it. But I just think it's one of those films that it's going to be one of those films if it's on and you you sit down and you switch the TV on and it's on. You're going to probably watch it. Uh, Will. Um- I, like Ben, also don't re-watch too many films and I tend to agree. I don't know if there's masses in there that you're going to find new. I think it's... it's. I loved it. It was a great film, so I'd probably just give it a four, to be honest. It's still very high. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, unusual. I've not mentioned the runtime. One hour 37 is the golden zone of um, film time. So, um, yeah, it's really nice. It's kind of one of those films that I think I'll probably end up being kind of alongside the garden state type films where it's it's one that i'll probably end up going back to and enjoying so i'm, I'm gonna give it a four i've only seen it once um it's quite a new film it only, only came out last year didn't it so it's got plenty of time so what was your score sorry four four i don't think i'm gonna watch it that much um i'm gonna give it down the middle 2.5 i you know if someone hasn't seen it and they want to watch it i'll happily sit down and watch it but um i'm not sure it's going to be up there with my re-watchable buddy odd couple films um of which i hold kind of planes trains and automobiles as the as the high bar so yeah 2.5 down the middle uh small screen score ben i think it's it, it's great on a small screen it, it it pulls you in i i it's one of those films i don't think it i think you could even watch it on a tablet or something and you'd still be fully engaged um so and the score sounds great but it's not it's not the sort of film that necessarily needs 
you know, 5.1 Mega Max Dolby. It's just <laughs> really nice, really nice sound, really nice music. So I'm going to give it a five. Will. How small are our small screens? <laughs> give me a context here, sorry. <laughs> we just say not in the cinema, essentially. So TV watching. A TV, okay. Netflix, for Netflix, at home viewing at Netflix. Or your laptop. I guess your a lot laptop. of people still watch films on laptops. I'm going to give it three for this just because some of it is very beautiful in terms of uh the sort of the southern states where they are and the kind of the swamplands and the the lakes and that so i think it would be quite nice actually to see it in a cinema so i say yeah, three and a half a small screen for me helen um yeah I, i'm gonna give it a, a five as well i would have liked to have seen this at the cinema although i can't remember it coming out just to obviously support independent films but um, I think it works fine on a on a small screen, and I think it's one of those ones that nobody really ever particularly knew about, and it became a bit of a kind of a sleeper hit on Netflix. I know that a lot of people I know have kind of seen it and recommended it to other people on Netflix, and it, mm. it's kind of grown like that. So, uh, yeah, a, a five. Yeah, I'm going to go for uh, one other thing. By the way, I was just going to say in, in reference to Will's previous appearance with Nebraska. Of course, that was a that was a great kind of. Uh, Odd couple with 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 Bruce Dern um, and his son, which is which is a great film to watch. And I think that's that's probably someone I rewatch more than uh, the Peanut Butter Falcon because I think it's just so terribly grouchy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to go for five small screen score. Uh, same as Helen, I would have liked to see this in cinema, but I think it works fantastically on small screen. So yeah, um, engagement score, Ben. It's a solid five. Uh, I I was fully engaged all the way through. There's no checking of uh, text. There's no uh, you know heading off or anything like that. I just think it's every single scene for me is is kind of perfect and, and had me fully engaged. So I don't think there's any point really where it dips just from start to finish. I'm really mm-hmm. engaged. So it's a five. Will? Yeah, I'll back that up. I think it's also a five. I watched it I all the way through, obviously. Um, that's how linear things work, isn't it? Um, yeah, I was pretty... I was fully engaged. Each scene worked. It was a good pace. As Helen said, it's in that kind of sweet spot. It's not too long. Um, yeah, fully engaged with it. It's a great film. Helen? Uh, I could be a little bit lower. But I think I'd give it a four and a half. I think the pace of it and its sort of style means that this is one that you could probably have on in the background once you've seen it once and, you know, just kind of like dip in and dip out. I think it's it's, it's sort of very laid back, isn't it, in, in terms of how it moves along. So I think that, for the engagement is kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm just kind of going along with it. So I think if you, you know, you don't have to be super engaged to kind of get what it goes, what's going to happen and where you are. I'm going to go for a four. Um, I think it's really, it's a really nice kind of flowing film. Um, I don't think you have to be super like dialed into it. Um, and I do, I, yeah, the, the code, the romance bit did make me think, oh, for fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> and also there is the, um, at no point did I think they weren't going to meet the wrestler. Um, but I, I did, so I was kind of like, yeah, it's going to happen. You're going to see him. He's going to walk away, and he's going to, yeah, that's yeah, exactly what happened. Um, <laughs> but what I did like was that the uh, the bounty hunter, um, the bad guy bounty hunter, did actually catch up with him. So I thought they were, typically they they managed to escape somehow, don't they? Um, so I thought it was quite a nice twist that they actually caught up with him and did do some damage. Um, and the wrestling scene at the end was pretty fun actually i thought it was a really good way to finish it you know yeah 
Um, so it kind of went up and down, and but overall a four for me. Um, and that gives an overall score of 4.46875. Pretty high. Pretty yeah, high. it's really high. Yeah. Um, Good show. Should we head to Twitter? By the way, everyone listening, do follow us on Twitter. We are at FlixWatcherPod. Every time we go in for recording, we put a little shout out asking for people's opinions. And in this case, we said we're reviewing the Peanut Butter Falcon with Ben from Rocket Audio and Will Rowe at Will Rowe 2 from The Times. Have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts and your score for out of five for a shout out on FlixWatcher. And we have a couple of responses. Um, Will? So, uh, Nick H, wear a mask, you selfish F... <laughs> Asterix, asterix, KS. I think that's fucks. Um, four out of five. Delightful and surprising with excellent performances. Pretty solid review. <laughs> uh, second one is uh, from previous guest, Sudden Double Deep. Adored that film. Not too saccharine. Genuinely lovely, buddy dynamic, and not quite what I expected. Four peanut butter falcons out of five peanut butter falcons. Nice. Um, well, Ben and Will, can you start off by telling us telling the listeners where they can find you online and we'll say goodbye to everyone. Okay. Uh, you can find me at rockwoodaudio.com. That's R-O-K-K-wood.com. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at rockwoodaudio. And you can find me at willrow2. That's my Twitter profile. And if you search for Stories of Our Times, wherever you get your podcasts, you can listen to all the daily news shows that myself and four other wonderful producers produce. Fantastic. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K, Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.